Good morning. What a morning it's been. I feel like we could have gone home after worship. And, you know, we just received from the Lord so well this morning. So thank you, worship team, again, for leading us into the presence. Um, before we, we start, I had a couple things I wanted to say. So when we were talking about the rain and candy situation and the fact that if you don't bring an umbrella, you might get pelted in the head. You know, for those of you that are familiar, Pastor Renee often brings sermon snacks. We'll be bringing you sermon ice packs if you get pelted in the head. Okay, so bring an umbrella or hide. Okay, it's a real thing. Also, since I have the mic and I have the ability, um, I know Pastor Craig already mentioned Pastor Renee's book, and I just wanted to honor her from the house this morning. That honor came from her husband, very proud husband, and as he should be. And I just want to say as a friend, as a co-leader, as somebody, um, as a part of this church body, we just honor that. Um, and I will always remember, we were probably at a Starbucks having a conversation, you said, hey, I think I'm supposed to write a book. I'm going to start doing it. I felt like God spoke that to me, and I was like, cool. We'll read it when it comes out, and here it is. Here it is, right? Isn't that cool? It's so cool to um, be with people along the journey and to watch God unfold um, and unveil the dreams that they have in their heart, right? Amen? You guys understand what I'm saying? Anyway, nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So, But it's always a privilege to stand before you, uh, church and just deliver what the Lord has put on my heart and what I've been asked sometimes to share about. And this morning, we're going to continue in our series that I think has just been really good. It's really been refreshing to go back and to um, just talk about and remember all the ways that God is truly present in our lives. How he truly is present to heal. He's present to provide. He's present to restore. He's all these things to us all the time. And even if a lot of us, a lot of us do have experiences that we have already had in these, these areas, right? But they're refreshing to our souls to go back through and to be reminded and to once again go through the scripture and, and just go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. So this morning, though, we're gonna continue on and we're gonna talk about how God, how Holy Spirit is present to encounter us and us to encounter him. And I don't know about you, I'm sure a lot of you have walked with Jesus for a very long time and you have a lot of stories that you could share with us. You know, uh, if we had time to go around the room this morning, we'd probably just be here all day long to share the different things that God has done in your life that you've experienced. And I know for myself, I have had moments in time where I've had encounters with the Father, had encounters with his presence that have shaped me and they have changed me, they have challenged me, they have disciplined me, and they have wrecked me for the better. Always for the better. I can remember, I'm gonna share a few of my stories with me with you guys this morning because again I have a mic and I can but I hope you enjoy them because I enjoyed reminiscing about them but I remember about 20 years ago driving down from Orange County on the 5 freeway with a friend and um, we were listening to the band Delirious I don't know if any of you are old enough or been around church long enough to remember them right um, they man they were great if you don't know them go look them up I'm aging myself but I love them I still love them but we were listening to them on the, the CD in the car, so that's how old I am too, you know. Maybe we had a cassette thing, you know, for like the Walkman. Uh, but anyway, we were listening, I just remember uh, we had been talking, we'd been laughing, having our grand old time on our way back, and all of a sudden it was like a thick presence just filled the car as we worshiped. And we both went silent. And how many of you know 20-something-year-old young women don't often go silent? <laughs> Not very easily anyway, we went silent for what felt like an eternity. I don't know how long it actually was, but the Holy Spirit just came in and ministered to us in that car ride. It was wild, super wild. 
I remember being in high school. Some of you have heard my story about my mom's um, mental illness, and I'm not going to go into it all today. But I remember her getting sick. I remember my father coming to me, challenging me, because I was like, Jesus, where are you? And him saying, you know what, now is when we seek the Lord. Now is when we go to the Father. You need to pray like you've never prayed before. And guess what? The Lord came in and healed my mother. She didn't end up in a psychiatric unit like she should have. Okay? That's another moment I have. Another moment of an encounter that I had with the Lord was when my mom passed away, unexpectedly passed away. And I remember vividly through the grief and through the, all the unknowns, hearing his voice say, she was mine. She was mine. Her illness didn't take her. It never would take her. I took her in my time and my way. So vividly, so audible that I will never, ever forget it. I remember 10 years ago or so, probably 11 now, walking um, with the team that went to Prague in the Czech Republic on the first trip, which was, it was a long time ago. We were walking in the red light district on the streets of Prague. And I remember um, there were a lot of women of the night surrounding us. There were the um, gentlemen, if you want to call them that, that they were with. And as we walked to the streets, we ministered to them, we talked with them. And um, I was even asked that night how much money I had made by somebody. I mean, I was probably dressed like this. <laughs> it didn't look like I belonged there. But I was even asked that question. And I knew it wasn't a safe, uh, like a super safe environment. But what I actually physically felt, and this might sound kind of wild, but maybe Star Wars people will get in. And I'm not a Star Wars person, but I'm going to put it like this. It was like a physical, like a force shield was around our team. It was around, it was like we just knew that even though we were in the midst of trouble, that we weren't going to be touched, that we weren't going to be, you know, hurt or harmed because we were there during the work of the Lord. And you could just feel it. You could just feel it as we walked. Um, my, my family and I have been to dangerous villages in Central America several times, actually. Uh, we've watched, on one occasion, we, um, we actually were doing ministry in a small village, and my husband was up on the stage, he was sharing his testimony, and we, we saw this uh, pickup truck, little pickup truck, drive by with these teenage boys with these large, large guns in the back of their, the truck, just kind of glaring at us. But they drove by like nothing was happening. They just drove by us. I've been escorted into hospitals in those same villages um, through back doors that never should have happened. We've done ministry in other small areas close by in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, where gang members ran the town. And when we were there after nightfall and we should have been out, otherwise safety wasn't guaranteed, gang members escorted our vans out and even invited us to come back. And another, on another occasion. So these are some of the things, the encounters, the moments that I have personally had with the Lord. And I wanted to share them with you because I hope they boost your faith. And I hope they give you something to look for today as we continue on in our series. I'm sure you all have different stories and moments that I would love to hear them. Please tell me them because they will encourage me. But there are moments that change us and there are moments that shape us. Kind of like the story of Jacob when he wrestled with God. He said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. You know what, the Lord was like, okay, we'll wrestle. But you know what, when we're done, you will walk with a limp and you will never forget the encounter you had with me. You will forever, forever hold it dear to your heart. You'll never lose sight of what I did for you. Years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and 
this friend, actually, she didn't grow up in church. Her family was not Christian. They never required her, so to speak, to be involved in youth or to go to church or to go on trips or anything like that, to camps. And we were talking just about how over the years the Lord had really kept her. He had really protected her in different situations and moments that probably could have been dangerous or should have been dangerous to her. And she came to the realization in that conversation that it wasn't just the fact that she went to church that had kept her. Although it all plays a part, our church body is important. Our church family is important. But she realized in that moment that it was the encounters with the Holy Spirit. It was the encounters with God that she had personally in her own prayer time, that she had at maybe a summer camp or she, she had on a trip um, that had kept her. It had kept her in her walk with the Lord. You see, I believe our encounters with God and his presence, what happens is they collide with, this tr with the truth of the scripture that we know. They collide and they have the ability, uh, the ability to keep us when nothing else can keep us. It's a beautiful, beautiful collision of encounter and the promises of his, of his word. And they keep us when nothing else can. They keep us when we, we just don't know what to do. But they're very real and they're very present, those moments. I know for me personally, these moments that I just shared with you, those and even moments in dark times, this, my encounters with God and the things that I know as truth and come to know as truth are the things that have not allowed me to deconstruct my faith. They're the things that have not allowed me to question my relationship with Jesus. Instead, they actually have given me faith and longevity to keep going. And that's what encounters do. They give us the next step. They give us the catapult, like, okay, I don't know if I can go, but I'm gonna go because I know, right? And we can go back to those moments in time that we've had with the Lord and we can say, you know what, Father, you met me there and because you met me there, I believe you with everything that is inside of me and because you met me there, you will meet me here and I trust you, I trust you. So this morning, we're gonna take a few moments and continue on with this, another story from the Bible of a woman that encountered Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to John chapter four, we are gonna go ahead and read verses one through 26 and they'll be up on the screen as well. And this is the woman um, at the well, the Samaritan woman that Jesus encountered at the well. So we're gonna just read through the passage together. It says this, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sichar, near the field that Jacob had given, gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well, beside the well about noontime. Soon, as, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at this time because disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus replied, if only you, if you only knew that the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, 
who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Like, yes, yes, I'm ready. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, but we Samaritans claim it is to, it's here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, but we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming indeed. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. But then Jesus said to her, told her, I am the Messiah. So that was a lot of verses. But let's recap a little bit about what just happened here. Jesus is hanging out at Jacob's well. He's on his way from Judea to Galilee. His disciples have gone to go get lunch. He's tired. He's like, guys, I'm staying here. Here's my order. Please bring me something back. It's been a long journey, right? It's hot. He's probably sweaty. He's probably dusty. He's probably maybe even smells bad. I don't know. I would assume Jesus has the ability, had the ability to smell bad, right? So, but as he's waiting, this Samaritan woman comes up, and let me remind you, he has no business engaging with her. She's a Samaritan, first of all, and she's a woman. There's no reason he should be talking to her, none whatsoever. She comes to the well, and he asks her for a drink. He starts the conversation. I'm kind of thirsty. Could you get me some water, that bucket you've got going on over there? And she looks at him, and she's like, why should I give you one? Why? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. She knows this doesn't make sense. She's well aware of the culture. She's well aware that there's no reason for them to be talking right now. So she's kind of direct with Jesus, maybe even snippy with him, as she questions, like, why she should do this, right? But Jesus, Jesus in verse 10 answers her back, and he says, if, only, if you only knew the gift God had for you and the one you're speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. If only you knew who I was, lady, <laughs> woman at the well, if only you know who I was, you'd be asking me for something that only I can give you, and you don't even know what, who you're talking to. He mentions this living, bubbly water to her from a well that doesn't run dry. It's all like figurative, right? Like, what is she talking about? But the cool thing is, the woman is like, she wants it. She's like, okay, maybe this doesn't make sense. None of this scenario makes sense, but I want whatever you're talking about. You're telling me I'll never be thirsty again? You're telling me that the well that I'm going to drink from won't run dry? Well, I want this. I'm interested in this. Show me. How do I get it? She's craving 
some sort of a different encounter in her life. She's craving something different that she's never experienced before. And if, you know, we read in the story, like, life hasn't been kind to her. It really hasn't been kind to her. I'm sure she's plagued with the, the feelings of defeat and guilt, knowing that in human eyes she's failed. Not just once, not just twice, but five times she has had a failed relationship. That wears on you as a person, man or woman, young or old, that wears on you as a person. I'm sure it took away her identity. It took away uh, her ability to be confident in who she was in so many ways. You know, does she, I've heard it asked before, like, did she go to the well at noon when nobody else was around so she wouldn't be seen? So she didn't have to take the stairs. She didn't have to hear the whispers behind her. I don't know, but I would bet maybe. And now here she is, she finally gets there at noon where it's hot and it's lunchtime and she should be at home having lunch. And now this Jewish guy meets her at the well and all he wants to do is talk to her. What on earth? Like what? <laughs> what? Why is he striking up a conversation with me now? You know, he's probably hot too. Where's, why isn't he having lunch? Yet he wants to talk to her and he wants to give her something different. And what I want you to understand this morning is that Jesus is willing to break through cultural barriers and he's, he's willing to throw away the social norms that we hold in place to have an encounter with you. He was with the Samaritan woman and he is with you this morning. He doesn't care. He's not concerned with where you have been. He is not concerned with what you have done. What he is concerned about is that he wants to get to the what is and the what could be of who you are and what your life could be and what it could look like. Verse 16 Jesus is when Jesus told her, go get your husband. And her reply is, well, I don't actually have one. I don't have one. And Jesus is like, oh, I know you've had five. You know, and, and you're not married to the, the one that you have now. I, I know. And sorry. It's like, well, shoot, Jesus. That was kind of harsh, wasn't it? Like, couldn't you have met her a little differently in that moment? Couldn't you have been a little kinder, a little more gentle? You know, and really just been a little more, you know, uh, politically correct to the situation. No. Jesus wasn't. But you know what? That is the part of the story. That is the encounter that changed her life and the course of her story forever. And she asked him, what are you, some kind of prophet? Like prophet that you just like told me what was up? Jesus read her mail at the well and he set her free. That's the coolest thing. We can look at that and go, man, he wasn't politically correct. He was kind of harsh. He didn't really necessarily act in love, but that was the moment that changed her. That was the encounter that rocked her world and was like, oh, this guy's different. And the encounters that we have, that we allow the Lord to have with us, be in his presence, are, they have the ability to bring freedom to dark hidden spaces in our life, things that we don't want exposed. Jesus exposed her at the well. And the thing is, she could have said no. He could have started to tell her what was up in her life and what had been, and she could have stopped him and said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? A Jewish man talking to me, a Samaritan woman at noon. Why are you even here? But instead of that, she chose to embrace what the exposure. She chose to embrace it because she didn't look at the exposure as a negative thing. I'm sure she was shocked, but because she embraced it, it liberated her. 
It brought her freedom because it brought her into a truth that she'd never known. And my question, one of my questions for you this morning is this, are you willing to embrace the encounter that you so desperately need this morning? Are you willing to take it? The one that Jesus is desperate to have with you, just as desperate as you are for it, he is to have it with you. Because he wants to encounter you even more than you realize you need to encounter him this morning. Are you so desperate for it that you don't, you don't care how or when it comes? You're not um, concerned about the exposure that it could bring to your life? And is your heart in a place that says, no matter what it looks like, I'm yours and I'm ready. Jesus, have your way. Have your way. Because the Samaritan woman didn't have to say yes. She didn't have to, but she was ready. Her heart was ready. And she was ready for that change. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery, which you once removed. I want to tell you this morning, the only reason that Jesus freed us is for your freedom. He had no other agenda on his mind. Just that you would live in light. Just that you would be healed. Just that you would be whole. That's the only reason he's come for freedom to liberate us. Not to expose us not to shame us, not to uh, put guilt on us, but to free you so that you can live in the light, to free you so that your heart can be healed and you can be whole and walk in wholeness. You see, the Samaritan woman's yoke of slavery had been broken off of her life, and in the same way, we must allow the encounters that we have with the Father, with his presence, with Holy Spirit, to free us and not allow us to turn back to bondage. The enemy, though, would have the complete opposite outlook on this because he wants us to live in condemnation. He wants us to live in the guilt. He wants us to live in the secret places of shame. He wants to keep us there. He tells us that exposure is the worst possible thing that we could do in our lives. That we're better off to keep it behind closed doors. We're better off to keep it under the carpet. We're better off to just, you know, duck from it. But it's a lie. It's 100% a lie He'll tell you you don't need the encounter. He'll tell you you don't deserve the encounter with Jesus. He'll tell you you're fine the way that you are. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Because he's fully aware that if he can keep us from an encounter with Jesus and with the freedom that that comes, comes with, he can keep us from our destiny. And he wants nothing more than to destroy your life. He wants to keep you from what God has placed on your life and the places and the people and the spaces that he wants you to, to be in. Vulnerability is a key component to our encounter. We need to put our guard down. We all have those people in our life where we just know we're safe. We just come into their presence and we can put everything down and there's no qualms. We can just be who we are, right? I'm thankful for those people. Jesus needs to be one of those people in your life. We have to come to him not up in arms, not ready to defend, ready to say, you love me. You accept me. You want me just the way I am, but you refuse to leave me the way I am because you're better for me in my life. One encounter changed her life forever. Just one. I listed off at least five encounters I've had with the Lord when I started this morning. But just one, just one took her life over. One encounter can change yours too. 
it just takes one time. One time, put your guard down. One time, give him a chance. One time, don't make an excuse. Put your guard down. Verse 28 and 29, the woman left her water jar and went into the city and began telling the people, come see a man who told me all the things I've done. And the funny thing is, she seems excited about it. If I was like, Jesus just opened up a can of worms, I think I'm going to go hide, go back to my house. She was like, no, this guy just told me everything, everything. He didn't leave anything uncovered. But guys, come, come see him, come know him. The townspeople came and looked for him too. Because of her encounter, the townspeople came and looked for him. The woman at the well, it was her story to share. We all have our own story to share. My story is mine to share. Somebody else doesn't always need to share it, although there's bits and pieces I don't care if you share. But it was hers, right? And no doubt that as she ran through the town, leaving her water jar behind, that people didn't know who she was. I think they knew who she was. I know they knew who she was. She's that woman that had five husbands. She's that woman that failed. She's that woman that fill in all of them, right? But Jesus came in, he set her free, and he gave her a story to shout. He gave her a story to scream to the town. And she did it because she was so free and so liberated and such bondage had been broken off her life. She didn't care who knew. Our encounters give us a story to tell. See, people can argue with you or with me all day about religion, what they think is wrong with organized religion, whether they think this one is the right way or that one is the right way. But they cannot argue, they can argue a point of view even. They don't have to try and fight with you doctrinally or whatever, right? But they can't argue with your testimony and they can't argue with the encounters that you have had, right? Like if I tell somebody and I've told people that I've seen people who were deaf, children who were deaf, ears opened in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, they can't fight with me. Because that's my story. I was there. I saw it. I lived it. So how dare you tell me different? They might think I'm crazy, and that's okay. But you know what? At least they go home thinking about something. At least it gives them something to wrestle out. Right? But how will they know unless we tell them? Unless we share? The woman at the well left from her encounter, and she told the town. Because she wasn't afraid anymore of where she'd come from and what she'd done. Jesus set her free and he healed her heart. That's the best part too. Freedom's awesome, but healing's just as awesome, right? One unexpected encounter forever changed the course of her history. She didn't go to the well looking to meet some Jewish guy that was gonna rock her world. <laughs> she just needed water. But she got so much more, so much more that morning or that afternoon. And I love this part of John chapter four again. Uh, verses 39 through 42, it says this. Now many Samaritans from the city believed in him and trusted him as savior because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to remain with them and he stayed two, two days. Many more believed in him with an abiding trust because of his word, his personal message to them. And they told the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said for now we have heard him for ourselves and know with confident assurance that he is the one, this one is the only true savior of all the world. 
I believe our encounters with God are supposed to be shouted. I believe our stories are supposed to be shared and given away to the people around us. And then you know what? They're supposed to be imparted. This is what I have. This is what I've experienced. This is what God has done for me. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to walk you into his presence to experience that for yourself. Because first she shouted to anyone that would listen about this man prophet guy that she met at the well unexpectedly. But he wasn't afraid of her past, her current situation. But he was ready to change and restore her future. She didn't care who knew anymore. Then this prophet Jesus, he catches on with the town because verse 41 and 42 says that they believed in him with a deep abiding trust because of his personal message to them. He made it personal to them. And then they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said. They told the woman, your story is cool and all, but now we believe for ourselves because we encountered him. Because now he gave us a story to tell. Now we have something to share and to offer. The... The Samaritan woman's encounter with Jesus being shared, being shouted through the streets, it brought an encounter to the community. It brought an encounter to everybody that she met. And now they didn't just believe because she said so, they believed because they experienced him. We share the moments with those we come in contact with, our own moments, and we give it away. We give away what's been given to us. It's shouted and then imparted, guys. We shout it, we don't care who knows, we don't care where we've been, we don't care how it exposes us because my freedom will bring your freedom because I have a part in your story and you and mine and us with the people on the streets of La Mesa and wherever you come from. I can only imagine the shift and the change in that small town. What did it look like after Jesus met her at the well? I imagine this woman, you know, maybe having people over for dinner. Maybe she hadn't had much of a, a social life or a friend group kind of situation because of her mistakes, because of her failure and the way that she just looked at herself. But I imagine because of the freedom and the liberation that Jesus brought her, here she is serving dinner, sharing about the day that everything changed for her, sharing about this prophet that she met, she met and when she met him, her life was restored. Everything changed the day that she met love, capital L love. Everything changed, and she wasn't scared. She wasn't reserved, and she made a choice to allow Jesus to encounter her that day. And when she allowed him to come in, oh, man, was he ready. Man, was he ready to meet her exactly where she needed him. And so as I close today, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because I have a couple more questions for you. My first question as you stand is, what are you waiting for? What are you personally waiting for? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it uncertainty about what an encounter with the Father could bring to your life? Does it scare you a little bit? Maybe. But it shouldn't. So I want to ask you, what are you waiting for personally? Why haven't you come for your encounter? What do you need from Jesus today? We all need something. There's not one of us that walked in that don't need something from him. So first, with every eye closed, I want to put this out there first, because your first encounter with Jesus should be when you meet him as your personal savior. Because he loves you so, so much. And he died for you so that you could live free. And so if you 
are like, man, you, you talked about this this morning, this encounter, but I don't even really know who Jesus is. I want to have the opportunity to pray for you. So if you've come here this morning and you're like, I've never actually asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've never asked him to forgive me. With everybody's eyes are closed. Would you just lift your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. And if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I need something from Jesus. I can think of things. Maybe it's more than one thing, and that's okay, that I just need him to show up in. If he doesn't meet me here this morning, I'm not sure I'll be okay. Maybe you're like, Father, I just need a hug. I just need to know I'm so loved. If you're here this morning, you're like, I just need this. Would you raise your hand so I can also know who I'm praying for? There's so many needs. We all have needs. There's no shame and there's no guilt in this place. There's freedom and liberation. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray. If you're here and you raised your hand this morning, I want to invite you to come after I pray. We want to pray for you and with you and believe with you for your needs this morning. God, I just thank you for your presence that encounters us, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that challenges us and teaches us and changes us. And Father, I just ask that as we go out from this place today, your presence would go with us, your encounters would go with us, God, and that we would shout those things to the people around us and that we would then be able to impart those things to the people around us. Lord, I just bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.